John chapter 10. It's good to be back home. It's good to see you guys. And so for, for this morning, we're going to move on in the message we've been doing all year on speaking on the seven declarations of Jesus, his introduction of himself. Last two Sundays, last Sunday, Lee spoke on the Good Shepherd. <laughs> we got a bank up, Brother Sam told me the broadcast will start coming on, live streaming in 15 minutes. I said, thank you, Sam. He called my room at the dead 11 o'clock. He said, it's on now. I said, good, thank you. I just barely said thank you and I was asleep. <laughs> so Lee, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to spot you, man. I just could not keep my eyes open. It just, it just, we've been up that day from, from like 7 a.m., gone to the village, finished the ministry, and the drive to the village is another experience. Yes, the village is one mile elevation up from sea level. Oh, yeah. It's on the mountains. Yeah, so you climb up one mile, climb down one mile when you come back down. So it was just, so that's what happened. But the Sunday before I caught it on the resurrection, I was able to say that, uh, Pastor Shina. So this morning, we are going to speak on Jesus is the door of life. John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, before I go too far into this message, let me just help us to understand how to really get the most out of our Bibles when we are reading. Right away in this very first verse, most assuredly, I say to you, if it's the King James, say very, very, I say to you. So right there, you need to take a pause and ask yourself the question, who is he speaking to in these very strong terms? Because he's trying to get someone's attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, or most assuredly, I say to you, who is you? You need to ask that question. Because understanding who you is will help you to unlock the reason for what he's saying or about to say. Are you following me so far? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Wow, Jesus, who are you mad with? But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but we flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So who is the you and who, who is the them? It's very important because right off the bat here, Jesus is, is very aggressive in making the point he's making. So in order to understand who the you is and who the them is, we need to read a little further. We need, a little, uh, yes, we need to start a little uh, from John chapter 9. So let's go to John chapter 9. 
let me begin from verse 34. This helps set the context for what's happening in John chapter 10. John 9, 34 says, They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us? And they cast him out. You almost want to underline that sentence. They cast him out. Who is him? John chapter 9 verse 1. Referring to the man who was born blind. Who Jesus opened his blind eyes. The religious leaders of the day had an issue with that. They had a problem with the fact that this blind man can now see. What is the problem? In John chapter 9 verse 14. Well, let's, let's pick up from verse 13. John 9 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Well, that's still all right. Look, but look at verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Verse 16, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Why? Because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. These religious leaders were having, they were splitting ears. They were upset. And they were saying, no, Jesus could not be from God. Why? Because he healed a man on his Sabbath day. They had serious issues with that. Okay? All right, let's read on here. Uh, verse 28. John chapter 9, verse 28. Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. And then of course, verse 34, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us and they cast him out. This sets the stage for John chapter 10. When they cast him out, what does that mean? They booted him out of the door. You need, to under, you need to get the picture. You need to understand. Why is Jesus coming out and saying that I am the door? Because these men who made themselves authority that God never gave authority to, these imposters who claim to be leaders in God's church, who claim to be guardians of the oracles of God and guardians of the church, decided to kick somebody out of the church for the simple reason that his life got better. Hello? So they cast him out. So Jesus began John chapter 10 as a repudiation of the Pharisees for kicking the blind man out of the synagogue. What's going on? These Pharisees pursued other ways to enter the kingdom of God through works of the law, self-righteousness, and human merit. They themselves did not come through the door 
And definitely do not teach others to come through the door as well. They lacked legitimacy to be in authority. Thus, Jesus referred to them as thieves and robbers. They preached and taught salvation by works of the law. So Jesus, at the very start of this John chapter 10, is helping us to understand that there's no salvation in man's self-righteousness. And there are tons of scriptures for that. Romans 10, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, 10. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Where the Bible says clearly, we did not get born again through the works of our own righteousness, but through the washing and the regeneration of the Spirit. So, Jesus was addressing this man, this Pharisees, that they are illegitimate, they have no authority, and by trying to usurp authority over the people, they are in fact thieves and robbers. They rob people of their destinies, they rob them of their hope, they rob them of their life, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You guys, you don't pay attention to these guys who is kicking you out of the door. They kicked the blind man out of the door. You need to remember that. Amen? They kicked the blind man out of the door. Now, let me just jump here and shock us to reality real quickly. John 10, 10, we quote that very frequently. We say, the thief come not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But that Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Everybody knows that scripture. Most times, when we quote that scripture, John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who are we referring to as a thief? That's the most reference. But I want to submit to you, it's not the devil. No, it's not the devil. The law, steal, it will kill you, it will destroy you. The flesh will steal you, kill you, destroy you. Carnality will kill, steal, and destroy you. When you look at the contrast that Jesus was making, to, to, we, we can't even put the devil on the same place where Jesus is. That's not the issue here. He's making a contrast. Now, there are tons of scriptures. The reason many of us do not get to where God wants us to be is because we are drinking from the wrong wells. It's not just the devil. The devil is a bad devil. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But many of us help him way too much. Way too much. And therefore, because we help him, we continually deprive ourselves of the benefits that God has for us because we're trying to earn it rather than just believe and trust for it. Amen? Now, let's, 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 let's go a little more. John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the ship. In other words, you Pharisees just threw this guy out of the door. But let me correct you. Let me help you understand that the true door, the real entry, the gateway to the kingdom of God, to the church, to the abundant life that's available to God, is me. I am the door. Notice he did not say I am a door. Definite article. I am the door. 
There are many that argue today that there are many ways to God. They say, well, you know, some people worship God through Allah, others through Buddha, others through Hinduism, Confucius, and we have so many plethora of ways of approaching God. Many people think that. But God wants us to know that approaching God is an exclusive enterprise. Exclusive. I am the door, not a door. And I wonder why people really split ears on that. Why, why can't we have so many ways to approach God? Well, let me ask you a question. When you came to this earth, how many, how, how many ways did you come through? How many ways? We, we, you, you just didn't choose, okay, I'm going to come through FedEx, uh, DHL, UPS, the Gwinnett Medical Hospital, my mother. My, no, there's only one way. If you are alive and breathing, if you're a human being and not a demon, then there's only one way for you to access natural life. Is it so hard to then understand if there's only one way to access natural life, that there's only one way to access spiritual life? There are not two ways. Jesus makes a declarative statement. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the ship. And what I love about God is his consistency and the harmony of scriptures. All through scriptures, you will see this born out. Go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. What did God do in Genesis chapter 3? In Genesis 3, 24, don't turn to it, just write it down. Genesis 3, 24, the Bible said, God sent Adam and Eve out of that garden so they don't eat of the tree of life and placed a flaming sword at the entrance. Only one entrance to the garden of life, to the tree of life. Only one. And God put a flaming sword at that entrance. Go to Noah's ark in Genesis chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. God told Noah to build an ark. Huge vessel. The man built the ark and God said very, very specifically in Genesis chapter 6 verse 16, there was one door. <laughs> Hallelujah! And then in Genesis 7, verse 16, God tells us after Noah and his family and all the animals had entered the ark, God himself shut the door. Right. Not Noah. And then when the ark finally rested, Genesis chapter 8, verse 16, God now told Noah, he spoke to him and said, now you can open the door. Listen, the entrance to the kingdom of God by the spoken word. One door or one entrance at the Garden of Eden. One door, Noah's ark. In Exodus chapter 12, when Israel was coming out of Egypt, there was only one door that had to be, for which the blood had to be applied. Not two doors, one door. Hey, hallelujah. God is like a lawyer. 
building his case so you can understand that this case is irrefutable that you cannot gain say what God is doing and saying there was just one door at the beginning why are we going to have two and three now you go to the tabernacle of Moses Exodus 25 there was only one gate one door to the holy place one door to the most holy place and that one door, when you study the tabernacle, you recognize represents none other but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and the Messiah. Jesus is the door. So in that confidence, he walks up there in John chapter 10 and makes a declaration and said, I'm the door. And for us now in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible says Jesus has become the only access both to the Jews and the Gentiles. The message is very clear. Very, very clear message. There's no, there's salvation in none else under heaven. There's no other name by which anybody can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12. I know for many people that's very offensive. They like to say, well, you know, if you're a good person, you give alms, you do this, oh, God, God understands. No, he does not understand. He only understands his son. And that's why he told us in Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, at sundry times, in various ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. His son's perfect obedience has earned him the right to be the only way to God. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, absolutely no one comes to the Father but by me. Amen? So Jesus declares that he is the door. Now, okay, let me just go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. As the door, what happens? John chapter 10, verse 9. First of all, verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. He's referring to those Pharisees. Those Pharisees. Verse 9 says, I'm the door. If anyone's entered by me, he'll be saved. And we go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus throws, an, throws out an invitation. I'm the door. If you just... Come in and just come in by me. Three things will happen. Number one, you'll be saved. Number two, you go in and out. Number three, you find pasture. Three things. Those three things represent coming and be saved, salvation. There's no way anybody can get born again other than through Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the only way. He paid the passing pool. And has earned the right to be the one that represents the Father. And now represents us when we accept and believe him. Number two, he said you come in and out. What does that mean? Security. Security. Now, I'm, you know, security. Now you must understand how the sheepfold or the sheep pen is kept in Israel in the ancient times. Actually, not just ancient times, even, even right now. Even right now. They build three sides of a rectangular uh, 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 place. Maybe 
five feet high. And on the fourth side, they build so far and leave a little, a little, one, one little opening. And the opening will be there. And the sheep, but many shepherds will come in the evening and just get into the, into, into the enclosure. It's never covered on the top. So there may be ten shepherds that came together to build the one sheepfold. And the ten shepherds will share that sheepfold and their sheep will come in and just go in. And the shepherd will just lay by the door. On the floor, by the door. Which means there's no way any sheep can go out without his knowledge. Which means there's no way any ship can come in without what? His knowledge. Nothing takes him by surprise. When Jesus spoke those words in that day, every Jew understood that part. We said, I'm the door to the ship. They, they understood it because they saw that every day. So Jesus is saying to you and I, when you have come into the fold, your security is assured. Nobody, no thief is coming at night to steal you away. You're going to have to deal with Jesus. That's why in chapter, in verse 28, he said, no one can take away from my father's hand. It's not possible. If you understand the concept of the sheepfold, the shepherd, and the door, you understood that nothing can tamper with your security. Your past is settled. Your present is what? Secured. And your future is what? Assured. You can take that to the bank when you understand what we're talking about this morning. Because the shepherd is not just the shepherd, it's also the door. Two roles. is the door and it's also the shepherd. So number one, salvation. Number two, security. Oh my God. Let me, let me, let me help you understand how secured you are. But Sister Lola, I need, I, need to, I, need to, I need to talk on that in a minute. Do I have a minute? <laughs> Picture this. God told Noah, big D, build the ark. The man built the ark. The day came, God said, now get your family in there. Get all the animals I give you inside the ark. Is that correct? correct. They all got in there and God shut the door. When God shut the door, what happened? All oh, hell was about to break loose. The storms of life came. The winds were blowing. The sea was roaring. While all of that was taking place on, in the world, Noah and his family and the animals were where? Inside the ark, securely locked in by God and the winds and the storm and all the raging hell around the world could not touch them. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you enter in by the door, called Jesus Christ, no, nothing that's happening around you, you will hear it in the hearing of your ears. You might even see it with your eyes. But the Bible says, a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand by your right side, but none shall come nigh thee. Why? Because you are secured in and by the door. That's why when I heard the loud boom on the aircraft, it didn't bother me. 
As long as we were on that aircraft, we cannot crash. The crash is for another day. Not today. Hallelujah! This is not a boasting. This is not a bragging. This is an assurance. An assurance that God gave. Yeah. You are not only saved, you are secured. Then he said, you go in and out and find pasture. In and out there, it's not talking about being born again and backsliding. In and out there means, implies, you go in. You fellowship with Baba God. Oh, yes. You receive nourishment from the Father. Yes. The Spirit makes deposit in you. Yes. And you step out into the world and help the world get what you already have. Believers, we need to become responsible for our world. Thank you for the prayer this morning, my friend, about the United States. It's time out for us to this is not good. This is not right. This, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? The buck stops with us. If we don't act, who? If not now, when? When? Folks, if we can just get more serious about the lost and the unbelievers. The way you are serious about buying a new car. The way you are serious about buying a new house. The way you are serious about having new children, husband and wives. If we can just take that a little more seriously. That God wants us in and out. Why? So that when I'm out, I want to be God's carrier of his glory. I want to deposit into my world. I want to recreate something new to the glory of God. We cannot and we should not look at unbelievers and just say, oh, wow, I'm born again, it's all, it's all right. No, it's not all right. It's not all right. We are God's answer to a wicked world. We are it. That is the idea of going in and out. We find pasture, we are renewed, we are strengthened, and then we take it back and we'll be a blessing to our generation. So salvation is implied, security is implied, and of course sustenance. Sustenance. That's what David was speaking about in Psalm 23. In verse 1, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why would you not want, David? Because I have a shepherd. Man, you go and study sheep. Sheep don't know jack. It's amazing that God used sheep to describe us. They know absolutely nothing. Truly, among animals, they are supposed to be the dumbest. So when God calls you sheep, it's not, so, it's not such a, uh, it's, not, it's not a real... Uh, <laughs> and the reason he's saying that is because he wants you to know you don't know about where you're going. You have to totally depend on the shepherd. You have to totally depend on the shepherd to take care of you, to nurture you, to feed you, to protect you, the whole nine yards. And good shepherds do that. I don't want to get in that side of the message, but good shepherds really, really do that. And when we understand who God is to us as a shepherd, you will just chill. You will really just chill. Because I'm telling you, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Amen? So he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Then in verse 5, he said, He sets a table before me. In the presence of my enemy, he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Ah, fantastic sustenance. Now, of course, in that psalm, while the shepherd is taking care of the sheep on the field, there are no tables. So it's not referring to a table like you have in your house. What it's referring to, just so you see how great this good shepherd is, what it's really referring to is the ability of the shepherd in feeding the sheep. Because on the flat table of grass, that's what it's actually referring to, table of grass, there are serpents that are hidden within the grass that the sheep cannot see. Because most of the grass table line has holes, scorpions, snakes, all manner of wicked things that's waiting just for the sheep to come, the sheep can nip them. So the shepherd will go ahead of the sheep. Any table area where he's going to feed the sheep, he goes ahead of them. Check for all, any rock, any crevice, any hole, and he will deal with all of those elements first. And then bring the sheep and say, come and eat. So David is saying, he prepares a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies, all the serpents that are hiding, the scorpions, all the wicked things that think they will do you harm, in their presence, the shepherd takes care of you. When you understand these things, not just in your head, but in your heart, you'll be able to face your world because you understand you've been equipped adequately with everything you need to be an overcomer. Let's close it. Let's close it. The door, Jesus as the door means a division and a separation. I'm going to do an application now. Division and separation. Okay, so those of us on the inside of this sanctuary now, we've been separated from those that are outside. Is that correct? Right. How did that happen? Door. Door. So anytime you see a door, think of a division and separation. So those outside of the door right now are in Adam. And those inside the door are in Christ. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? So there's a separation that takes place. So the thought of God shutting the door is great news for the believer. Because he speaks of the security of our salvation. But hear this now. It also reminds us of those that do not know the Lord. The scriptures reveal that the day will come when the door will be shut. As it was in the days of Noah. And salvation can no longer be found. Give me Luke 13. Verse 24. Luke chapter 13 verse 24. The day comes when this door will be permanently shut. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Next verse. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the, what? the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. 
where are you from? Folks, Jesus being the door to us as believers is a wonderful thing. But we must not forget there are people who have not entered in. For which a day comes when that door will be permanently shut. And they cannot enter any longer. Jesus is calling me and you to be emissaries, ambassadors, reconcilers, priests, who will be vessels in his hand to bring in as many people as possible so that they will not be lost eternally. One of the amazing things among these Akka people in Thailand, they will rejoice, they are uh, excited about their salvation and then they will remember suddenly, oh my goodness, this message didn't get here soon enough. My father died five years ago. It's lost. Yeah. And they will tell you that. They say, man, God saved me now, yes. But my father died two years ago, five years ago, and never got the same message. They are lost. 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 We take these things for granted. Jesus said the day will come. Can you imagine in Noah's day, the one who was there, it's coming. The flood is coming. The flood is coming. You say, oh, well, which flood? It's never rained before. Well, come on. Go, get out of here. You ate too much pizza. Old man Noah. What's your problem? Just the same way as the media is making fun of Christians now. That's the way they did then. Until the day finally came when God shut the door and the floods came. I can just picture in my mind's eyes Many rushing to the ark and banking on the door. Noah! Oh boy, Noah! Ah, come on! We used to play draft together. Open the door! And Noah would look through his window. Oh, Mr. Johnny, you are there. I'm sorry, I don't have the key. God locked the door himself. I don't have the key. That day will come. Your next door neighbor. Your co-worker. Co your brother, your sister, your father, your mother. What are you doing about their salvation? You heard Dr. Ajay. The man prayed for 20 years. 20 years. It challenged me when he said it. How long have I prayed for my own parents? Or for my brother, my sister? Do we take that seriously? When we call our prayer meetings, are we praying for the lost? We pray for our cars. Ha! Ah, 2018 model. Hallelujah. Low profile tires. Give it to me. Low profile. Low profile tires. And people are going to hell. Straight. Expressway to hell. We're after low profile tires. The door will be shut. Then what? Then what? Now listen. I'm not trying to put us on the guilt trip. I'm just asking us. To live or walk according to the life that God has given us. You don't have to act up to, you just be yourself. Just let Christ be who he is in you and through you. But this is serious business. Because when I think about it, he has nobody else. Look, look through this room. We are all that Jesus has. All across the body of Christ. All over the world. If the job gets done, it'll be because we wake up. Hello? Okay. I, I think that message. 
Let me just close it up. So number one, we know that if you are in the, in the door, you are in Christ. If you are outside of the door, you are in Adam. Then we need to understand also that the door shuts one day and that will be too late. That's why we have to walk while it is day before, because the night cometh where no man can walk. And then it goes on to say, we have the key of knowledge. Ah, this one is serious. Give me Luke 11. In the message translation, we have the key of knowledge. And the point I want to make here is, let me, let me wait for the scripture. Luke 11. Message translation. Thank you. Luke 11 verse 37. Thank you. When he finished that talk, a Pharisee asked him to dinner. <laughs> he entered his house and sat down at the table. Go on. The Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended. Watch this now. When he saw that Jesus didn't wash up before the meal. <laughs> Mr. Pharisee, he was offended that Jesus would not wash his hands and he's going to eat. Okay, let, let me read on. Okay. But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun. <laughs> ah, Pharisees, man. Is, are there any Pharisees here? <laughs> if you are here, you'll be dodging. You, you will never show, you, you will own up. In other words, they shine the cup. They will shine the outside of the thing. The inside is nasty. It's dirty. They'll polish the thing. It's, ah, it's glittering. They don't care about the inside. I know you, you Pharisees, burnish the surface of the cups and place so the sparkling in the sun, but I also know your inside are maggoty with greed and secret evil. Woo. Stupid Pharisees. Didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Turn both your pockets and your heart inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean not just your dishes and your hands. Woo. I've had it with you. You are hopeless, you Pharisees. Frauds! They're 419s. <laughs> you keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but manage to find loopholes for getting around basic matters of justice and God's love. Woo. Careful bookkeeping. It's commendable, but the basics are required. Oh, go on, go on, go on. You are hopeless, you Pharisees. Frogs! You love sitting at the head of table at church dinners, love spraining yourselves in the radiance of public flattery. Frogs! You are just like unmarked graves. People walk over that nice grassy surface, never suspecting the rot and corruption that is six feet under. Go on. One of the religious scholars spoke up. Teacher, do you realize that in saying these things you are insulting us? <laughs> this is crazy, man. He said, yes, I can be even more explicit. You are hopeless. You religious scholars, you load people down with rules and regulations. Nearly breaking their backs, but never lift even a finger to help. 
you're hopeless. You build tombs for the prophets. Your ancestors killed. Go on. The tombs you build are monuments to your modern ancestors more than to the modern prophets. Go on. That accounts for God's wisdom saying, I will send them prophets and apostles, but they will kill them and run them off. Go on. What it means is that every drop of righteous blood ever spilled down from the time earth began until now, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was struck down between the altar and the sanctuary, is on your heads. Yes, it's on the bill of this generation and this generation will pay. One last verse. Thank you. You are hopeless, you religious scholars. Now, this is where I'm going. You took the key of knowledge, but instead of unlocking doors, you locked them. You won't go in yourself and you won't let anyone else in either. How does that apply to you and I? It applies by the question I'm asking, are you helping others come into the kingdom or are you hindering them from coming? You have the key of knowledge. The key of knowledge, understanding of what it takes to be a part of the kingdom. But it's my lifestyle and your lifestyle, a hindrance where they look at us and say, oh no, man, if that's what Christianity means, I don't want any part of that. A hindrance. We raise more hell at work than unbelievers. We use more foul luggage than unbelievers. We laugh at more crazy, silly things than unbelievers. And then you want to invite them and say, come to church? Hello? We have the key of knowledge. But are we helping or hindering? There has to be a distinction. They need to see me and say, wait a minute, something's different. Hello? Hello? Genesis 39, verses 1 and 2. Joseph was a slave in the house of Potiphar. And the Bible said the presence of God was with him. And as a result, Potiphar said, I know that God is with you. How did he know? Potiphar did not have a gift of discernment. He's not born again. How could an unbeliever, Potiphar, know that the presence of God is with Joseph? It had to be that Joseph demonstrated certain virtues that Potiphar had never seen before. Hey, I've been seen slaves, but I've never seen one like this. All the wells that my other servants dug, none of them prospered. You dig a well, it prospered. You touch this, it's gold. Who are you? What is in you? How are you doing it? Show me the way. We have the key of knowledge. Thank you. Are we helping or are we hindering? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lastly, lastly, let me just close using this illustration of this popular TV show years ago. Many of you guys that are here now may know you, you, I'm sure you've never seen this show because they don't do this kind of shows any longer. If they don't get crazy, they don't show them these days. But this show is called Let's Make a Deal. Oh, yeah. they, they, won't, they won't play Let's, Let's Make a Deal these days. It's, it's too boring. <laughs> but this is the point. 
the contestants at the end of the game get a choice of choosing either of two prizes. The one prize is visible. Usually, be a very nice prize. A TV set, uh, something nice, vacation deal. You can choose this, what you're saying, or they had a second choice that's behind the door. You don't know what it is. It could very well be 10,000 boxes of toothpicks. It's behind the door. You don't know. You can't see it. So they show you this, which you can see. A vacation package to Hawaii, $2,000. Hey, Hawaii. What's behind the door? You don't know. It could be matchsticks or toothpicks or a lawnmower. Other times, it could be a car that's worth thousands of dollars. You just don't know. What's the point I'm making? You see, you and I, we've been brought to the kingdom of God with the promises of God's abundant eternal life. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You may not be able to perceive it with your naked eyes as a let's make a deal gift you're looking at. But by faith, if you reach out to that door and say, door, I'm going to trust whatever's behind the door because I know Jesus, the good shepherd, is in charge of there. Yes. He will take care of me. That's what the plan of the kingdom looks like. You should not be making choices big on your naked eyes. You make the wrong choices. We need to start trusting God. But that trust in God begins with, first of all, getting your life right with God. Recognizing Jesus as the door, the door to salvation, the door to life. Every head bowed. I don't know who I'm talking to this afternoon. But I don't want you to be careless with your life. I don't want you to go through the motions and at the end be lost. So I'm asking you to make that quality decision. And say, God, I'm going to take advantage of knowing that you are the door. Because John 10, 9 says, if anyone will enter in, which means it's a whatsoever preposition. Whoever desires to be inside of this door, Jesus said, you've just come, I'll accept you. I'll accept you. But you must come by faith. You must come by faith. Believe in. And so, Father God, I pray for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice. You as the Father, you know where they are. You know where their relationship with you is. And so, if there's any adjustments that need to be made this morning, this afternoon, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are doing it right now. You are making that adjustment in our life. We are yielding to it. We are thanking you for it. We are blessing your name because you are a good God. Thank you for the security that's found in you. Thank you, Father God, that we will not just be found in you, but will become useful for you. Thank you for making us useful. Like Joseph in Egypt, that men and women will see our good works and glorify your name which is in heaven. This afternoon, we make that quality decision. We will not live just for us. No, we want to live for you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you will take on and walk in us, walk through us, take hold of our lips, take hold of our hands, take hold of our legs, 
and we become the carriers of your glory wherever you go. Let your light be dispensed in and through us every given day, wherever we may be. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We choose you. We choose you, Father. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, all right.